Good morning, Airline, and happy Sunday. Happy first Sunday of September. If you are joining us online, drop a comment and let us know you are there. If you are in-house and you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. We'd love to see you in the back. Get up on your feet and worship with us.
Amen, amen. You can be seated real quick, real quick, because I'm going to get you right back up. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Airline Baptist Church. Excited to be with you this morning as we worship. My name's Clint, one of the guys here that... Uh, yeah, just, just loving Jesus and, and trying to reach a community, and we're so thankful for that. So one of the pastors here at Airline, I want to welcome you. Excited to be here this morning. wanted to share a real quick verse that's, this morning. Uh, Pastor Zach and I were talking, and I was thinking about uh, this verse that I read earlier this morning, 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul is encouraging us to be disciple makers because he was discipled. And he said, entrust what you have heard me share with many witnesses to faithful men who will go and do the same. Four generations there. Thinking about that, praying over that. I know our pastor's heart, and that is our heart here. We want to be Christ-driven, community-focused as we go out and reach, and I'm excited uh, to be a part of that, excited about uh, the rest of the worship. We get to worship right now as we do tithes and offering, and uh, we get to uh, give back what is... It's already his. Just go on and write the check. I mean, it's not yours anyway. Just go on and give this morning. Some of you have already given. If you do give online, I got that notification this morning. Kirk and I was just talking about that. But uh, we're going to have some men stand up and come throughout the sanctuary as we continue in worship uh, through our tithes and offering and also with songs. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will just continue to go. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for loving us and what you do for us. God, you're so good. God, as we've already seen, nothing compares to you. So God, now as we uh, take a time to continue through this offertory worship, God, as we, as we do, just express our, our gratefulness, our thankfulness to you, how you have blessed us as we, as we give to, to this, this place of worship, this, this small seat church that is a part of the big seat church, God, as we do reach this community and there's a lot of things that go on so god i pray that you'll take uh and, and and move in people's hearts this morning as they do give and knowing that they're giving to something that is bigger than even what we can do here at, at airline it's so much bigger because it's got it's you so god i pray that you bless this offering god as we as we do worship today and continue to worship god be with us be with our pastor as he stands and open up, opens up the book of James again, excited about what we're going to hear this morning, God, that you've given him to just relay to us, God, uh, your word. So, God, we thank you. God, we love you. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus, we thank you so much for the blessing that you have placed upon our life. Lord, to see you and your goodness moving every single day in every step we make in everything we do. Lord, have your way. Thank you so much for these songs of praise that we were able to sing back to you. With a heart of thanksgiving, Father, we just say thank you. Lord, you are so good. And we see that every single morning before our feet even touch the ground. Lord, being able to proclaim that, what a honor, what a privilege. Father, as we go into this time of, of the message, Father, we just say, have your way through Pastor Zach this morning. Father, speak through him. Lord, you are here. So, Father, we say, have your way. We ask all this in your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. good to see you. Thank you so much for being here today. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And uh, on, on behalf of the staff, happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you're, hopefully you've got a three-day weekend and have tomorrow off, and which may include yard work for some and actually labor on Labor Day. And so I uh, hope you have a great weekend. James chapter 1. So as we've been venturing through the book of James, we've kind of seen James really hits us where we find ourselves and really kind of brings things home. James isn't kind of getting into esoteric arguments, but really getting into the practical nitty-gritty of the Christian life. And really, that's what we're going to see today, and particularly the, the, the idea that, that true faith brings about some changes. True faith will change some things in a person's life. The gospel will bring about some changes. Now, it's important that those changes come after the gospel, you see, if we place the changes before the gospel, then we aren't actually preaching the gospel. And so these changes follow the work of Christ in one's life after hearing and responding to the gospel. And so let's read through. We're going to finish up chapter 1 today, verses 19, 19 through 27. So starting at verse 19, James writes, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Just let that one sit in the room for a second. 
For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this opportunity we have to break open your word and to see what you have for us today. And so God, would you speak to us? God, let us hear from you. And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So as you can see, just from reading through the text, we have a lot to cover this morning. And so really kind of three sections of the text I want us to look at. And first, the, the idea is this, that true faith changes our rhythm. It changes our rhythm. Going back to verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James introduces this idea of a rhythm. And notice the way he says it, that we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, why does James have to say this? Because this is not our natural disposition. We don't naturally, like if we naturally did this, James wouldn't have to address it. But it's not our natural disposition. We're not quick to hear. Like why do I have to listen to Taylor? I have it figured out. I don't want to listen to Taylor. I know what I'm doing. I don't want to listen to him. We're typically slow to hear. We don't want to hear what somebody else has to say. That hearing someone else is the last thing on the priority list, not the first. And so the, the, the gospel should produce a change in that rhythm. But we like to be slow to hear and quick to speak. But true faith should change that, where we should be quick to hear and slow to speak. You see, I'm, I'm concerned when there's a large group of people who desperately desire to be heard but have nothing to say. How do we gain something to say by being quick to hear and slow to 
speak. This should be the rhythm that the church finds itself in. How many church conflicts would be solved with just this one passage of Scripture? If we were quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. That that should be our rhythm in Christ. That I listen to you before I jump to say anything. I actually listen to what you have to say. And before I jump to get angry at you, I pause and I use the fruit of the spirit known as patience before I jump to anger. Like not just church, like what if this was our rhythm in our daily lives? Like just when toddlers going crazy in the house, that's our life right now. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What if that was our rhythm at work? What if that was our rhythm in our marriage? I touched a button on that one. But what if that was our rhythm? Instead of our rhythm being the opposite, we were quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because James makes this next point, going off this slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Like just think about it, every time you have ever flown off the handle, has that, have you ever left that moment and went, I feel closer to Jesus now? No, you haven't. In fact, probably most of those times there was some repentance that needed to be had immediately. But does not produce the righteousness of God? That's not a sanctifying act for you just to lose your mind on your coworker, your family member, whatever it is. That's not a sanctifying act. The sanctifying act is the not losing your mind part. It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Notice what he says, therefore, so because of this, because we are to have this rhythm where we are quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, knowing that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So we put away what is evil and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word. This word of Christ, this gospel that has been planted in our souls. We receive that, which is able to save your souls. That is what we receive. That is what we cling to. You see, this is why the gospel is important. Why can I be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Because of the gospel. I don't have to be hurt because I can trust Jesus. I don't have to have the final say. I don't have to get even. Why? Because God does that, not me. So it should change our rhythm, that our rhythm of life should look different because of 
the gospel. And just think about it. You go into work, not tomorrow, Tuesday. And something happens and they're expecting you to lose your mind. And you enter in with peace in that situation. What message will that send? All of a sudden your coworkers look around going, how, how, are, how are they not going absolutely crazy right now? Well, there, I have a peace that surpasses understanding. Can I tell you about that peace? All of a sudden you have the ball lofted up to share Jesus just by you not losing your mind in that context. But we must cling to Jesus to get to that point. So true faith should change our rhythm, but then second, true faith changes our response. It changes our response. Verse 19, no, wait, we already read that one. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. James, that sounds good. I, I want to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James, that sounds good. What does James do? He hits you again. Okay, now don't, don't just hear it. Don't just hear the word. Don't just hear what the word has to say. Now do it. Act on it. You know what the word teaches. Don't simply be a hearer of it, but be a doer of it. Because notice how it describes that. Deceiving yourself. That we are capable of being hearers in such a way that we deceive ourselves into thinking we're actually doers even though we never actually do. That we can spend so much time in life group and in Bible study, and those things are good. And we can have so much intake, which hear me, is good. But if we never actually act on it, we're just deceiving ourselves. So he says to be doers, not hearers only. And he gives this illustration For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. How many of you used a mirror this morning? Some of you may not have, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't have said that. So he gives this illustration, so being a hearer but not a doer is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and does what? He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. You see, all throughout the scripture, we have the law and the gospel and we have all of this, but the word of God is like a mirror to us. These actions are like a 
mirror, that we can look in the mirror and we can see where the imperfections are. We can see where the blemishes are. We can see where we are not lining up in the mirror. But here's the reality. The mirror cannot fix the blemishes. When you woke up this morning and started getting ready and you saw the pimple in the mirror, you did not take the mirror off the wall and start rubbing it against your face. Why? Because the mirror can't fix the pimple. It simply reveals it. So what do we need? We need the gospel. Now when we look in the mirror and we see the blemish, the gospel is the answer to fix that blemish. We need Christ to fix the blemish. And so we can hear the word and we can break open the word and it's, you're sitting here right now and it's as though you have a mirror that's looking back at you and you go, okay, there's where the blemishes are and you have one of two options. You can close the mirror and pretend the blemishes don't exist. Or you can go, here's where the blemishes are. Let me cling to Christ to fix them. So he's like a man who forgets what he looks like and goes away. But verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres. What's that law of liberty? It's the gospel of Christ. It's this gospel of freedom that Paul talks regularly about in his epistles. It's the gospel. He says, and perseveres. It's not going to happen overnight. It happens after years and years and years and years of opening the scripture, seeing where God is putting his finger that day and asking the Spirit's help to address it, clinging to the gospel day in and day out. It doesn't happen overnight and perseveres being a being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. That we see, we look into the mirror. We see those areas. Those areas, they, they, may, be, they may be sinful things that God is addressing in our lives. They may be sin that we need to get out. Or maybe it's good things that God is calling us to that we're not doing yet. We're called not to just be hearers. Not to just take it in. Just to collect the information. But to act upon it that this is our response, that this gospel is so profound. The work of Christ is so profound in our lives. It calls us to a response to that, that we must do, not just hear in response to it. So true faith changes our rhythm and it changes our response. But then lastly, true faith changes our recognition. Verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his, 
but deceives his heart. That person's religion is worthless. This is strong language from James. Like if you think you're, you are a Christian that is just knocking it out of the park, that you're just getting after it, you've got this thing locked down, you know what you're doing, but you cannot control your mouth. What does James say? That is worthless. That's not me, that's James. Because here's the issue, church, that what does it say if we say that Christ is Lord of our life, but he's not even Lord of our lips? Like this is a theme James is going to pick up on throughout the book of James. The issue of our mouth. Because you can't even control what you say. And yet you want to tell me that Christ is Lord over your life? So he says that, but deceives his heart. Again, we are deceiving ourselves. And this person's religion is worthless. So going back to where we started this message of quick to hear, slow to speak. James is picking back up on that thought. There's a, the gospel changes our recognition that my lips should look the same as my life. The Lord of my life should look the same as the Lord of my lips. But then we move into some very practical matters. He says religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Now, I love the language that James uses, pure and undefiled. He's really drawing back to kind of Old Testament ritual language that you had to offer a pure sacrifice. The priest had to be undefiled as he went before the temple. All of those things, it's, it's really Old Testament ritual language. And it's easy to just kind of find ourselves, even as a modern day believer, to find ourselves just in the day in and day out of ritual. That I do this just simply because of religious habit. But it's much more than just religious habit. There should be some practical things. And so James gives us a couple of practical things to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To visit or to aid orphans and widows in their affliction. Like this is just a baseline. Because orphans and widows in James' day, it was, they were the bottom of the bottom. A widow had nowhere else to go. They were entirely dependent upon their husband, entirely dependent upon their husband's family to meet their needs. They had no social standing. And so to be a widow in this day was essentially a death sentence. They had nothing to do and nowhere 
to go. The same with an orphan. That there was no social safety net for them. There was no defects. You were an orphan, you just lived on the street and tried to survive. So what is James saying? Are you willing to look after the people who have nothing to offer you in return? That that's the practical means of living the Christian life. You see, Clint, it's easy to look after the people that can offer me something in return. Like that's easy. But what about those people who have absolutely nothing to offer you in return? Are we willing to look after those people? And let, let's, just, let's just meet us where we are right here. As a church, are we willing to go after people who have nothing to offer us in return? Are we willing to go share the gospel with people in this community that we can reach and they come to church here, but we will not see an increase in giving by them coming to church here? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to aid those who have nothing to offer us back in return? That's the message that James is preaching. But I've always wondered, like, what would happen if we took this seriously? Not, not literally. I'm not saying that this is a, a test of Christian orthodoxy of whether or not you're willing to adopt a child. Like, but what if we took it seriously? What would happen? Just a quick Google search. Currently in the United States of America, there are 117,000 children waiting for adoption. Waiting for adoption. That's a lot. That's a staggering number. But also in the United States, there are 380,000 churches. Now, this is across denominational lines. Of course, there's some in that just for statistics sake, there's going to be those in there we wouldn't recommend. But for the sake of argument, that's three times as many churches as there are children waiting for adoption. So that means if just, if one out of every three churches in America had one family who said, we will adopt a child, there would be no more children waiting for adoption. If we just took it seriously. What about in the state of Georgia? In the state of Georgia, there's, there were several different numbers listed, but somewhere between 350 and 450 children are currently waiting for adoption in the state of Georgia. That's still a lot. But there's also roughly 3,500 Southern Baptist churches in the state of Georgia. 
So if one out of every 10 Southern Baptist churches had one family who said they were willing to adopt a child in the state of Georgia, there would be no more children waiting for adoption in the state of Georgia. What about Hall County? I will have the adoption numbers, but in Hall County, as of March 2023, there were roughly 270 to 80 children in foster care in Hall County. With roughly 63 homes, give or take. So what that means is there weren't enough beds for the children in Hall County. So they have to be shipped out all over the place to homes all over the state, to group homes, to institutions, whatever the case may be, they have to be shipped out elsewhere. And so they're plucked from their families, they're plucked from their schools, they're plucked from their support networks and sent all over the state. But just right here, in Hall County, in our area, there are 77 SBC churches in the Chattahoochee Baptist Association. So that means if every church in the Chattahoochee Baptist Association had one family who said, hey, we will take two foster children, there's no more need to send children elsewhere in the state in the foster care system. You see, those numbers seem staggering until you realize this number of churches and believers is staggering as well if we just took it seriously. The impact that the church could have. Now I get that I say that and I know full well you know us, this is near and dear to our heart in foster care and adoption. I know that there's families here in this church that are in foster care and adoption. So I wanna just applaud you for the work that you do. But really for Whitney and I, our journey started in this when we were confronted with this reality. We saw the need. We'd been trying to have biological children of our own and God never opened up that door and we were sitting in our house one day and we were just praying through this, thinking through this. And we looked around the room and we saw, hey, we've got empty beds. A child could be there. We've got empty seats at the table. A child could be there. So we went through the process. And we got licensed. And I share this with you because foster care and adoption was one of the hardest things we have ever walked through. Our first two children were, it was a two-year-old and three-year-old sisters. They come and they dropped them off at our door on a Friday and just left. No instruction manual, nothing. They just left the kids with us. And this, this, it was Friday night. We had a wedding Saturday, church Sunday. They dropped them off. And I kid you not, they cussed like sailors. We spent too much time with Whitney. I'm just kidding. And so we're, we're freaking out because we got these kids in our house. We've never had kids in our house before. And all of a sudden we've got two toddlers and we've got to go to a wedding the next day. And so we take them to the wedding 
and then we take them to church that Sunday and we're panicking because what if one of them cusses out another kid in the church nursery? Like the, the preacher's kids cussing out other kids in the church nursery. And one of them just absolutely loses her mind that day at church. And we're sitting there riding back home after church. Whitney and I, we're, we're complete silence and just they're losing their mind in the back of the car. And we were less than 48 hours into this and we sat there and we went, where's the eject button after <laughs> this? But I say that because I, I don't wanna guilt trip you into thinking, well, we need to go get into foster care and adoption because it's not for everybody. But you know what we had? We had some friends and some family members who just encouraged us, supported us, and loved us. That what would happen as a church? We didn't try to push everybody into foster care and adopting children. We don't want to do that. What would happen if we as a church, we rallied around these families? That we made this a priority and we took this seriously. And these families that are approaching this and praying through this and thinking about this, we as a church rallied around them and supported them in that. What would happen? Because James makes it quite clear, it's more than just the ritual tasks that need to be done but there's a practical way of living it out. And one of those things is looking after those who have no one else to look after them. Looking after those who have nothing to offer you in return. But not only that, he ends by saying this, and to keep oneself unstained from the world that I pursue Christ in such a way that this isn't a holier than thou mindset, but I pursue Christ in such a way that I don't want to be stained, I don't want to be blemished, I want to walk with Christ, I want to grow in holiness, I want to grow in righteousness, I want to grow in Christ-likeness, I want to grow in that. That there are some external practical ways of living out your faith, but there's also some internal things within our own lives that need to be done as we live out our faith. So all of this brings us to our central idea this morning. The gospel produces a faith where Jesus is Lord over all areas of our lives. That's it. The gospel produces a faith where Jesus is Lord over all areas of our lives. This is, this is the point that James is driving home, that Jesus is not just Lord over your life in just a theological sense, that it's not just some intellectual matter that you agree to in your mind, 
but that there are some practical ways of living out Jesus being Lord of your life. That if Jesus is Lord of your life, it's going to impact the way you talk. It's going to impact the way you hear. It's going to impact the way you get angry with others. If Jesus is Lord over your life. If Jesus is Lord over your life, it's going to impact how I open up the scripture and see what's going on as the mirror and then address those things. But then lastly, if Jesus is Lord over my life, it's going to change my priorities and things. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer. As the band comes back to the stage, that Jesus is Lord over my life. So I place those things at a premium which allow me to practically walk out my faith in Jesus. So looking after those who have no one to look after them, looking after those who don't have anything to offer me in return. And then lastly, if Jesus is Lord over my life, I'm going to strive to follow after him and to flee from those things that leave me stained by the world. So as we close this morning, just as we've often noted throughout the book of James, James is incredibly practical. It's down to earth and meets us where we are. So the question is rather simple. These areas that we talked about, is Jesus Lord over those areas in your life? Is he Lord over those areas? And when it comes to my speech, when it comes to my actions, when it comes to all of those things, are those his? Or are those areas that we go, this is still mine? See, Jesus, I recognize you as Lord. Like, I, I know you're Savior, and I know you're all of those things, but you, you got to understand, I just really want to keep these things over here to myself. Is he Lord? And am I acting on that? So if you need to come pray, this altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing to the side. Pastor Clint will be standing over here. But is Jesus Lord over all of those areas? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you for this opportunity just to break open your word. And God, I know, God, it was a hard word this week. God, it was a hard word in my life this week that there were some things you did in my own heart and in my own life just preparing to preach this message. So God, would you help us to see those areas that we would say, this is yours, Lord. This is yours. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond today. May his favor be upon you and a thousand.
generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you seated real quick. Thank you, Quez and the, the guys and gals up there leading. Thank you, Pastor Zach, for that word this morning. What a challenge. Almost 20 years ago, my first sermon, as I was calling to the ministry, was James 1, 19 through 23, I think is what it was. But what a what a word to encourage this morning, that rhythm that you got to get into and, and, and the response that comes from that and how we recognize those things. A great word this morning. Uh, you all, if you came in, we have a great uh, first impression team greeters, so you should have got a worship bulletin. A lot of good information on there. Uh, please make sure you're coming out and, and being a part of Wednesday night. Got something for every age there, uh, from uh, young to us older ones, and please be a part of that. Uh, you can see there on Sunday, September 17th, we got a connection class. We've been, been a lot of prayer about this, thinking through this. 
this was actually shared with the deacons at, uh, a couple of months ago, so make sure you plan to attend that. There will be a meal there, and that's going to be really, really good. Uh, I want you to be a part of that. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, it's on there. I can put my glasses on and tell you what it says, but I know that it's on there because I studied that early. I think Stuffed Animals is on there. Yeah, if you've never seen that, you need to go take a look. But yeah, get with Joanna this week. You'll be here Wednesday. Uh, find her Wednesday and let her know you would like to go down and be a part of it because it's really cool what they do there. Uh, obviously, other things on here are getting connected. Uh, and then if you look, uh, they will, well, Wednesday night, don't want to skip over this, hamburgers and hot dogs and chips and salad. Make sure you come be a part of that. Those guys uh, work really hard for that. Upcoming October 1st, you'll see on the bulletin, uh, airline in partnership with FCA, we're going to have an FCA Coaches Day with family where we got Coach Chan Gailey coming in. Uh, some of you may know Coach Gailey, uh, really a phenomenal football coach, obviously, but really a man of God who, who really tries to instill those values with other people. So we're going to have him here that Sunday, special guest coming in leading worship and, and just really going to be a great time. And we're trying to reach a lot of coaches and their families, and we would love to see uh, this, this God's house full so we can share with them uh, the importance of family and our faith and just be what we're called to be, being Christ-driven, community-focused. So again, uh, Car Rider Ministry, we're doing that every Friday morning. If you want to get involved with that, see Pastor Mike. There's opportunities to come open a door and smile because I know I've been there. This is the first time, I think, in 17 years maybe that I haven't like been part of taking a kid to school every morning. And, and that's pretty cool and kind of weird all the same time. But come Friday, you're just ready to get that kid out of the car. So come be a part of that and, and be a smiling face to that kid who's ready to get out of the car because they want to get away from the parents, but then love on those parents as well. See, Pastor Mike, it is a great way to help her Friday. So last thing we're going to do, uh, as some of you know, um, we've talked about this, most of us know, this is... Uh, our brother, Jaquez Jeter, uh, his last Sunday here, we call him Quez, but uh, he's a young man who God really has his hand upon him, and, and he's kind of doing some different things. He has moved. He wants to say it's not Atlanta, but it is Atlanta because he's inside the perimeter. He has moved to Atlanta, and uh, we're excited. We want to bring Quez up, and uh, I'm going to bring him down front here, and we're going to pray over Quez, and if you want to be a part of that, you come down as well, but we're thankful uh, for our friendship, our brotherhood, and and just all you've meant to us here. So yeah, you can go ahead and make your way down here. I'm talking to kind of give you time to do that. I'm good at talking uh, sometimes and filling up space. And you got a special shirt on today, Quez, as they're making their way down here. Well, who's on your shirt there? Grumpy, the drawer. So yeah, just kind of letting you know. So we're gonna pray for old Grumpy here. Uh, but no, do as you guys come down, we want to just take this time. And uh, Pastor Zach, you got anything to say? They got you hot back there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Quez, just on behalf of the church, thank you for all your work. Thank you for the time you put in. And so we love you, and we, we're going to support you and pray for you. So go in peace. Know that you've always got a home here at Airline. Absolutely. We're bringing back for some surprise guest appearances. So let's pray over our brother. Lord, we do uh, just call on you right now. God, you are the... Uh, the creator of this universe. And God, each and every one 
that is surrounded around my brother here. You, we were all intricately and uniquely made by you. And God, we thank you for Quez and the uniqueness of him and that booming voice. I cannot <laughs> ever forget the first time I heard him sing, God, I'm like, this man is anointed uh, with a voice and, and, a, and a, min a ministry, God, through music. So God, we pray right now that you keep your hand upon him, that you show him your way. God, I'm reminded in Isaiah, you tell us, Lord, to, to listen to the one behind us telling us this is the way to walk in it, not to drift to the left or the right. So, God, that's my prayer, that, God, you continue to give him the voice, to keep him in the direction, God, that you would have him, that he wouldn't drift left or right. God, and I know... Uh, he has a, a heart for ministry, God, even as he's working now with the Boys Club and has worked in, in the, the message that Pastor Zach brought this morning, the things he said is very near and dear to Quez's heart because he loves to, to come alongside and minister to those young people. So, God, I pray you have your hand upon him. God, I pray you bless him. I pray you go before him. God, you clear paths. Lord, you open doors for this young man to walk through and be who you've called him to be. God, we thank you that he's been a, a small part of, of, of this church, God, over the last little bit. God, that, that is your church, and he just came with humility, God, because he didn't want to be out front. He just wants to serve you. So, God, I pray you continue to give him that humility, that spirit of just serving, God, because it, it's never been about Quez. It's been about you being lifted up in and through the gifts you've given him. So, God, we continue to pray that over him. God, we love you. Lord, give us a great day. Watch over him, my brother, who will always be my brother. And I'm so thankful uh, that I've gotten to know him as everyone here is as well. So, God, again, just bless him. God, we love you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Out. Be sure to come by. Let Quez know you love him, appreciate him. And then you're, you are dismissed. <laughs>